Well, today we have a very special guest. His name is Shane Vork of Vork Brothers. Shane, is it true that you work with your brothers? That is true. <laughs> very true. Is that why you called it Vork Brothers? It is, and I wish we wouldn't have, but that's... Who started this company? Who started this company? Actually? So it was me and two other brothers about eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. And why would you want to do that? We were actually working for a construction company. They had about 400 employees with a small paint division. One week, random week, we were actually in Chicago painting a dealership. They filed chapter 11 bankruptcy. So we were out of a job like instantly. 11 or 12? 11. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know the difference, but yeah. One is sequentially more. So then we were out of a job. Within a matter of a couple of weeks, we actually took on a couple of the projects we were doing through that company. And how many brothers do you work with currently? There are two other brothers involved, and then I only work with one right oh, now. Oh, no. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> the tea so, yeah, yeah, we purchased the other brother out of the company okay. a year and a half ago. Yeah. And he's alive. Yeah, he is alive. He's okay. st he's still around. He's still my brother, still a, a good friend. So how many brothers do you have total? Two brothers, one sister. And you work with one of them. Yep. Are you ever all together and they're like, hey, how's Vork Brothers painting? And you're like, we it's going <laughs> good, but not with him anymore. <laughs> We're all happy for each other. So what was that process like? Was it a force out? Was it a, I want out? One brother was less passionate about painting, less passionate about what we were doing than a couple of us were. It was just a conversation that progressed over probably a year. And then it just ended up being, we purchased them out. So it was pretty cordial and it went relatively smoothly. Not like some of the other family business horror stories you hear. So when you say purchasing him out, that sounds like you valued the company mm -hmm. and then some, some kind of terms to a purchase. Right. How did you all agree to that and still be amicable? We found in the CPA we were working with at the time, we agreed that we'd all agree to use him and whatever he came back with. Okay. Then that started the negotiation and go above that number. And I think everyone's happy. <laughs> so it was honestly just, we made the process pretty easy, I feel like. So you used a third party to yep. give you the honest truth and that we'll just roll with that and willing to be generous on each side of the equation as well. Correct. We were open-minded about the whole process and just then then the terms come into play. So it's like, what makes yes. sense with money down? And Are you familiar with the trolley problem? Not at all. The, the trolley problem. This hmm. is a trolley. It is currently on the path to run over five people. Mm -hmm. This is you, Shane. Surprise, you are now in a conundrum because you are holding a switch. Yep. And that switch moves the trolley from, uh, we'll call this path A, to path B. See how this one goes straight and this is a divergence. So this is active effort to change the course of the trolley. But it will now kill this person. Shane. What do you do? Five, four, three, two, one. I hit, hit the switch. And murder somebody with, <laughs> a, and you are gonna murder someone with your own hands. That's a tough question. What are you doing? So here's the challenge with this: if I do nothing, fate runs its course. 
Yeah. The universe has set these courses into action. If I do nothing, things will go as they go. Are we, are we willing to have the suffering of the few for the benefit of the many? Comes down to our favorite story that's those who walk away from homeless. Five is definitely more than one. It is. But what if this is a child and these are people in their 60s? That's the thing. There's so many different what if this, what if What if this person is a criminal? A criminal, I mind you. And these are good taxpaying citizens who volunteer yard waste cleanup. That is such a hard. <laughs> That's a hard question. It's a hard question. It is a like, hard question. It's good I was to know not. That you are willing to take action to murder an innocent life. I was not prepared to answer this question. Today. And yet you did, and we're only getting started. <laughs> There's no. It's just whatever. The right answer depends on your value structure. So yeah. I can't tell you what your right answer is. We have another variation of this trolley problem. It's called asymmetric uncertainty. If the trolley continues on, it is not clear if these five people are going to be killed. You could say it's likely. You could say it's unlikely. The percentage is above zero, but it's not a hundred. However, if you pull the lever, as you previously stated you want to do, <laughs> you are certain to kill this individual. Are you willing to gamble with these people's lives? Or are you once again willing to take an action and pull the lever? You came with some hard hitting questions today. I take the odds. I you take the odds of one person? No. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just, oh man. I'm not pulling it. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. We have another trolley scenario here. <laughs> These dang trolleys, man. Instead of a lever, you are now standing on a bridge. You are standing behind a fat man. Okay. This is not politically correct. He's both <laughs> fat and a man. He's overlooking the scenario. Oh my goodness. Look at these five people. They're about to get run over and killed by this trolley. You are no longer pulling a lever to kill one innocent person. You are now taking the action of pushing this person over the ledge. He is so fat that he will stop the trolley, but he will die. No, not chain. So this is very similar to the first scenario we called right. out. The question is, if it's no longer a lever, yeah. but it is you putting your hands on the back of this person mm -hmm. and pushing them over the edge, would you still do it? Or do you allow the trolley to continue uninhibited and unencumbered to slaughter the five individuals? Yeah. I, no, I couldn't push someone over the edge. So no. you would now allow the five people to die. So this is interesting because in the first mm -hmm. scenario, you're willing to sacrifice the one for the, the five. Yeah, I just couldn't. No, I couldn't. You couldn't. No. It's, it's interesting how that changes it, right? It does. And obviously, these are just, these are hypothetical situations, but they, Very hypothetical. they play into the decisions of our daily lives in some Correct. way. What is the personal proximity to where I'm willing to sacrifice one person for the benefit of others? If I have to put my hands on them, I might not. But if I get to do it from a distance, I will. There was a proposal where the president of the United States would always have somebody with them. And the only way they could get the code is that they had to open up a capsule that was inside the other person's body. If the president of the United States was willing to authorize a nuclear launch. Uh -huh. They first had to murder their friend next to them, who was always walking with them with a knife and cut their body open to get the code. If they weren't willing to do that, then you shouldn't be willing to murder a massive amount of people with a nuclear bomb. So that's interesting. You played right into that one. We have another one. Call this the reverse asymmetric stakes. You've got your fatal injuries. You have a non-fatal injury, but in front of this, you have a speed bump. And this speed bump is going to cause calamity, damage to property, to capital, and maybe even the death of the conductor. Shane, the trolley is coming down the tracks. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, 
my goodness. What happens to the people on the train? The conductor is killed oh. and the passengers are injured. And most importantly, there's damage to property. Well, the property I don't care about. What if the trolley is worth a billion dollars? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you would sacrifice billion dollars to save one person? What? What if it was $500 billion? So hold up, hold up. If I pull it, then it ruins the trolley. That's worth a billion dollars. Yes. But if I don't pull it and just, like you said, let it run its course. So it sounds like you wouldn't pull it from what I'm, I'm hearing. Just, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to get to the root of your heart on this issue. Well, this is a tough issue because we're talking life or death. We are talking about the decisions that you are making <laughs> in your daily life uh, of action versus inaction and the consequences, as well as the proximity of, the, of those actions and inactions. I don't... Man, I don't know if I can pull it. You have to know that you're going to pull it because this is happening. In this scenario, though, I don't know that the conductor's going to die because it's happening so quick. So all I know you is- can tell. Maybe you can tell. You've, you, know, you know the engineering of the train. You've been through the OSHA classes. <laughs> this speed bump is killing that conductor and you are aware of that. So it's to save five children. I think I'm saving the five children. And you are killing an innocent conductor. You are know injuring, you're going to have to live with a debilitating injury, plus all the passengers. And most importantly, there's damage to property. This is private property that some corporation is making money off of. It, yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's, I don't, these are, yeah. <laughs> So when you are dealing with picking out a paint for a wall, how do you decide if you're going to use flat versus satin? Well, when I use, I don't really make those decisions anymore. If I were, I would understand where the paint's going. And that would be the big the big thing. So if it's on a ceiling, it'd probably be a flat paint. If it's in a bathroom, it might be a higher sheen product. For what uses would you go higher sheen? Sounds like bathrooms. Is that because of the, the aesthetics of it? Or is there a practical application? Yeah, maybe moisture, moisture issues. Maybe some higher traffic areas. Garages might have it. Yeah. And then flat might be for more aesthetically pleasing areas. So like you're living room areas, things like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's good to know. You know, I always say flat versus satin. That's where I shine. We have another scenario here for you. It's called the Chinese box. I think the premise is you have somebody in a box. They only speak English, but they have instructions in front of them for how to assemble these characters into Chinese words. To this observer on the right, it appears that the box, the person in the box is speaking Chinese, but they do not speak Chinese. They only speak English. What are your thoughts on this as we explore the correlation with AI? Interesting. Artificial right. intelligence does not understand thought, does not understand reason. However, it is able to take a question and then it has very specific instructions mm -hmm. on how to grab outputs from, from its data sets and arrange them in such a way that the observer on the right-hand side would say, aha, this is a thought with reason that is being presented in front of me. But it's really the instructions that are being provided to it that gives it the ability to have that performance. Which is wild, yeah. Interesting. But then the question is, does it really matter mm -hmm. if the performance is there, what the true capabilities are within the entity, right? Within the person. If someone can perform to you as if they care about their local sports team, does it matter if they actually care? Do they have a sense of being outside their actions or do their actions create their sense of being? These are powerful questions. I think they're, I think your actions. Your actions create your sense of being or your sense of being supersedes the actions. 
I would say your actions create your sense of being. Do you think you can have a sense of being that is misaligned with your actions then? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I just think that most of the time when your actions, yeah, it's a tough question. Yeah. It's a tough one because some would say that you are what you do and other people would say you are who you are irrespective of what you do. If you say that you love your children, but every day you come home and you're too tired for them, you have a short temper. Do you really love your children? No. And that's where actions speak louder than words. Because if you're just saying it, but you're not doing anything to show that you love them, right? <laughs> There's no, this is this <laughs> That's my thought. That's my thought process. What would you say is a tougher project to manage, a commercial project or a residential project? Oh, now we're getting into some easy questions. What do you think the right answer is? I think they both have their challenges. It's funny because our company is split into two different divisions, commercial and residential. And if you talk to residential, it's residential. But if you talk to commercial, it's commercial. I think business owners are easier to deal with because they want to get in their space and make a profit on their business. And homeowners, there's some attachment to their home. So it's a little bit harder to manage a residential yeah. project. So man, residential projects are harder because of the emotions that are involved? Some emotions, the size of them. So if they're smaller projects scale, I guess I'm just talking at our company. If it's a $6,500 job and you have five of them, or you just have one $40,000 job, like it's easier to manage the multiple jobs. How about margins and cash flow? Yeah, then I would say commercial because of the cash flow part. You got to wait for your money 60 to 75 days sometimes. There's always a middleman that's holding your money. There's hoops you have to jump through. There's special pay app documents that you need to submit. There's retainage. There's a lot of different variables rather than just send the invoice to the homeowner and get paid. A lot of logistics. Lots. If a tree falls in the woods, but no one is around to hear it, does it make any sound? Of course it does. What do you mean by that? We know that trees falling make sound. So if it falls in the woods, it makes sound. Logical thing is that... (laughs) But no one is there to hear it. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. It's still making noise. Do things happen when they're not perceived? Yes, things like that happen. (laughs) If it falls down, it's making noise. Let's say this tree is on another planet, on a distant planet. This planet goes through its cycle of ecobiome things and a tree falls over and it's never observed by a creature, by any, any light of consciousness. That planet is eventually sucked into a giant supernova sun thing and put into a black hole. The universe enters e- either singularity or heat death. Did that tree make a sound? I would say no, the tree didn't make a sound. Because and it was not you. observed. And the impacts of that sound were never observed. Now I ask you once again, Shane. But that was on a different planet we know nothing about here. Does anything happen if it's not observed? Yeah, this happened. If I walk past a fallen tree, it once fell and it made noise. How do you? I don't know if it did make a noise. But if we're just... Because noise is a perception. So when I cut down trees, they make noise. When you are around, they do. Yes. Definitely. That reality exists in your memories. And the question, is there reality outside of our perception and our memory? Yeah, with certain things, yes. Like that is just, we know that if a tree falls, it makes noise. But there are lots of things happening all across the universe that we will never be aware of. And their actions are about the observation of consciousness. The... It's as if it never These happened. These are some deep thoughts. These are it's as if it never happened. I think about that and I say, if we are affected by the cascade of that sound, I think it still happened. And so let's say that that tree fell, that sound, does that sound have any impact on the rest of consciousness, right? Did that sound change the path of a squirrel, change the, right. the butterfly? Or Ashton Kushner, Kushner yeah, 
is now who knows what. I don't know if anything happens really, unless it's perceived and then remembered by some level of consciousness. Let's say that that tree lives its entire life and it's never observed by a human. Did that tree's life ever exist? And you can put it on another planet if it helps you deal with it a little bit easier. (laughs) There are many, many things that are happening on many, many planets that I think are inconsequential because they are not observed by a very special thing called consciousness. I think it is our consciousness that gives meaning, but it's also without memory, without being remembered it also as as if it never happened if it is as if it never happened did it actually happen yeah i guess if no one ever knew about it then it didn't i think this gets down to why we act the way we do i think we know that this is true and i think our lives only have meaning when we're able to impact others and be remembered we all have this drive to be seen and to be heard and Mm -hmm. to be acknowledged and i think we understand that in some ways what gives us meaning yeah i would say so well, that's interesting you would say that, Shane, because then I wonder what you would think about the <laughs> Here we go. that lives his life in a monastery alone, not impacting others, but finding trueness within himself. That's a different meaning for himself. I think everyone has different meaning and purpose. Did that monk actually live? Yes. To someone, maybe himself, he did. Once he dies and he's no but longer- But to me, I'm him. not aware of that monk, so I don't, I don't know about him. So to you, it's as if he never lived. And let's say you are the only conscious being in the universe. Did he ever lived? If to you, it's as if he never did. Let's say it's not just you. Let's say it's the collective consciousness of the universe. If the collective consciousness of the universe does not observe something, nor does it remember it, it is as if it never occurred. And if it is as if it never occurred, does that mean that it never did? No, I'm unaware of it. I would never know. So I ask you once again, the tree that falls in the woods, did it make a sound? I, no, it didn't make a sound. <laughs> when you're scaling a painting company, what are some of the overhead challenges that most people aren't thinking through? You've grown to the sizes that not everybody is going to achieve. Maybe for the audience, what was the top line revenue that you achieved last year and your current projections for this year? Yeah, so we're mid sixes and then we'll be mid eights this year. And what are some of the implications on overhead that you got to find out on your own and that most people aren't thinking about when you get to that size? Yeah, there's a, I guess there's a lot of different things. Sorry, I'm still thinking of the trolley uh, scenario. <laughs> Those are thought provoking. No, I think there's a lot of different things that you don't think you need because when you get to the side, you you have a fleet of vehicles, not just one or two. So maintenance goes way up. The positions that you thought you might never need, you need. Yeah. Why do good things happen to bad people? But more importantly, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people, Shane? I think bad things happen to good people so they can use their good morals, their good outlook on life to tell their story in a good manner. I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I think there's an opportunity to turn those bad situations into a good situation. So people are able to react to bad situations, some silver lining. But why did that bad thing have to happen in the first place? You know, that's a higher power. I think people's stories are written. That's a God thing, I believe. So God is making bad things happen to good people? I think God has a plan for everyone. Sometimes you go through rough parts in your life to just come out better. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> These are yeah. tough questions. Why wouldn't God just have a plan of nice things happening to good people? Why would God have a plan of bad things happening to good people? I understand that he has a plan for people is what you're saying. But why wouldn't God just make good plans? You know, that's a good question. I, 
I think it might have something to do with free will. Have you ever watched the movie Aladdin? In Aladdin, you get to wish for whatever you want, except for right. three things. You can't make somebody love you. You can't kill someone. And you can't wish for more wishes. First one really gets to the premise of without choice, there is not love. And I think that God is a God of love. For there to be love, there has to be free will. Disney already set this premise, the philosopher, of saying without choice, you cannot have love. If you're a being of love, you want to share that love. You want to create out of love, but you inherently give the domain of choice to your creation to choose love or hate. And with that hate, there are consequences and pain and suffering, but there's also the potential for love. And love is worth all the negatives. And it's hard to look someone in the eye when they experience those negatives. But to imagine a world without love, a universe without world, a reality without love is I think worse than the premise of pain and suffering that we experience, even mm -hmm. individuals to the extreme. Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing to say. That's what I think Aladdin was trying to teach us. Yeah, that's what Aladdin was teaching us in also, a very deep- there's a very interesting line Aladdin says, if you remember, he's running around, he had stolen an apple and the guards are chasing him. And he says, gotta steal to eat, gotta eat to live. Otherwise we'd get along. What are your thoughts on that? Say it again. Gotta steal to eat, gotta eat to live. Otherwise we'd get along. Or I think it's maybe the other way around. I think he says, gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. Otherwise we'd get along. Man, some Disney, yeah, Aladdin. I gotta watch Aladdin again. I have to eat to live and I have to steal to eat. Otherwise we would get along. <laughs> Inflation is running amok. People are not able to afford food for themselves. You know, I think jobs, the American dream is dead. Late stage capitalism is here. I think it goes back to pretty basic concepts. Everyone is running their own race and has their own things going on. You have to be respective of that in everyday life when you're making decisions. I think most people make decisions pretty selfishly and they forget that there's other people at the end, other end of an email, a phone call, whatever it may be. Yeah, on the so, trolley, on the other tracks. Exactly. You're bringing up that dang trolley again. No, but just keeping that perspective. Everyone is dealing with their own thing. So keep that in mind. Yeah. So the guards are chasing Aladdin. Here we go. It's stealing, partially. Is yep. it but is it just a conflict that's been constructed by the way society is set up? Is it really a conflict between these two individuals? Or is it just the natural friction of that system that they have? It's a little bit of both. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Shank, thank you for coming on today. Do you have any final words, the, the, the dozen or two people that actually listen to this thing? Yeah, th this was fun. <laughs> Like I said, very thought-provoking. Those are things you don't think about every day being a paint business owner. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Well, until next time, make sure that the trolley is being solved through your problems. I like it. I like it. All right. And the interesting thing about this trolley problem is this, we have to decide as we create autonomous vehicles. Autonomously driving vehicle now has to decide as it comes to an intersection. And if mm -hmm. I don't make immediate action, I'm going to run over, let's call it a group of three people, actually. Three people in front of you. You are moving at a velocity that they're all going to die. You can divert yourself to the left, but you're going to run into somebody, a single person who's now going to die. What do we code the actions of that autonomous vehicle to do in that situation? Do you continue on the path the people have stepped in front of you? Or mm -hmm. do you divert and take action, but now kill someone who is completely innocent that's on the sidewalk? Damn we amazing. all deal with this scenario in one form or another in our daily life. It is the benefit of the many for the consequences of the few. And we have to decide if we're going to take action or inaction or a personal action to make that sacrifice and that trade-off. But when you say there's severity and certain decisions in a paint company that you make, but they're different. <laughs>